Seinfeld. The strike is over, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap of podcasts about nothing. And now here are the two guys who are always prepared for the airing of the grievances. I'm Rob Sestrino. Here is Akiva Winokur. Akiva, how are you? How's it going, Rob? You got your poll out? Yeah, I thought you were going to say two guys who are you know, on strike from the podcasters union. No, 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 no. Uh, what I almost said was uh, two guys that couldn't smooth out a silk sheet if they had a woman coming over. Uh, then I lost my train of thought. Yeah, no, that would have worked also. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, Akiva, happy Festivus. Yeah, it's weird because it's hard to get in the holiday spirit in the summer. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's weird because this is such a holiday episode. This is like one of, if not the most holiday episode of the series. Right. And you feel it, right? It is like you feel, you know, you see the mistletoe and you think it's like, ooh, it's the holiday season. Nothing better than than the, than December in, in Manhattan, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. You, everyone's nice to each other. And it's like there's a real like atmosphere in the air of Somewhat. Like people actually being friendly. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. In theory. But it's hard to feel it. It's hard to feel it in, in late June. Well, really, we could not be further away from the holidays. I mean, that we are recording this today on June 28th. So we are just but like three days away from being as mathematically far away from uh, at least Christmas as possible. Now, I always thought like there, you know, if I don't know how much you follow Ramadan, right? The, the Muslim fast. But that doesn't, you know, uh, unlike very Christmas, closely, very closely, unlike Christmas or Hanukkah, which are always in December, you know, Hanukkah can occasionally, you know, be in November, or January, but it's almost always in December. Ramadan uh, it can fall. I don't know why off the top of my head, but it, it can fall any time during the year. So like one year, it'll be in December and next year it'll be in like July. Yeah, I always thought it would be cool if every holiday was like that or certain holidays, you know, like what if you could just like one year you had Christmas in August then the next year you had in November and the next year you had it in February, like. It would be cool if it would bounce around more. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I mean, it'd be uh, tough to plan, I think. Easter's like that a little bit. But also, there's so much going on in, in like, first you have Thanksgiving, then you have like the holiday season, you have New Year's, like Christmas and New Year's are like, are spaced too close together, you know? Then you have, like, if you're in school, that brutal break from like January 1st until President's Day weekend, that's when the actual learning gets done. Mm -hmm. Because the beginning of the year, the beginning of the year, it's like, oh, you got to meet your teachers and then. It's a joke that really everything picks up from like January 2nd till about February 18th. That's when all the teaching is done during the whole school year. OK, at least so, that's the only time I did. I taught. Okay. So what are you advocating here? I think one holiday on the calendar should be uh, like basically movable every year. OK, sure. Maybe Thanksgiving. I don't want it like a Christmas has a reason for being on that day. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would make sense for New Year's. I just I and the other holidays aren't important enough. So I think maybe we have to move Thanksgiving. Yeah, well. Okay, where do you want to move it to? I mean, you don't want well, that, to eat like a big turkey dinner like on August 1st. Why not? I would love it's a big too tur- hot. turkey dinner. <sighs> Listen, you're inside in the air conditioning. The problem Nobody is there's no wants football gravy game in August. Yeah, it's true. Well, we have to, we have to uh, you know, table this idea. And like, oh. There's definitely something there, but we might have to. Uh, yeah. We, we might have to tinker with it. You know, it's that. 100 degrees outside. Let me put my oven on 425 for nine hours today. I mean, do not put your oven on normally, like during the summer. You guys are. I mean, like, I, uh, so I advise against it. I say, OK, like, uh, like if we, you know, let's not, uh, you know, uh, do a lot of baking right now. You know, it's hard for me also because we don't it's like 104 here every day. Right. And we don't we don't have soup in the uh, in, in the summer. And this is the longest I've ever gone without soup. It's been like a month. Oh, my God. And I I'm really getting a craving. But my wife refused to make it because like who She's wants on a hot strike. steaming. 
Yeah, why would why would you like sit no there soup and, for and you? Make, yeah, no soup for me the, this whole month. <laughs> Come back one month. What about a cold soup like a gazpacho? You already said that that's I, gross. Yeah, I'm I've, I'm on the record that cold soup is trash. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there any uh, package soup that you could get and just heat it up? I could heat it up, but I, I it's not the same. Yeah, I could heat up an instant soup with some hot water, but mm-hmm. to me, it's yeah. like I want my that's like matzo ball, or chicken soup, or noodle soup, or. You know, I'd even settle for like potato soup or one of the lesser soups at this point. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see what you can get. Uh, don't worry. The, you know, only a few more months, Keeve. You'll do it. There'll be no more Seinfeld podcast and plenty of soup just the way you yeah, like it. <laughs> Seinfeld podcast and soup season begins. That's how it works. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. That should be the last line of the shows. Now soup for everyone. That's right. And once we get the to week the week after. Well, that, well, that's what we're doing. The week after we finish Seinfeld podcast, we're just we're starting soup boys. Soup boys. <laughs> That what we're doing a super week. Yes, a super week. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're here to talk about the strike, which, uh, as you should be able to tell by now, uh, is the episode where we get most of the uh, Festivus mythology, certainly the thing that is the most famous from this episode. The strike is such a brutal name for this episode, though. I feel like that's season nine. They've really dropped the ball on all the names. Yeah, I mean, maybe Larry had something to do with the names. And then when he left, you know, now they've really forgotten. But let's as we go through the episode, let's sort of compile names that would be better than Strike. Because I think we could come up with eight, ten names that are better than the Strike. Well, certainly. But should it just be the Festivus? I don't. I mean, I think it should. I, maybe they wanted to, you know, they wanted to sort of save that reveal because it doesn't happen at the very beginning of the episode. Well, what's the reveal? And it also does it. it like, I don't know, the idea of Festivus. Like, but you don't know what that is. I know. But maybe, you know, there are times where they don't want to like, oh, you don't want to say that because that sort of gives it away. Mm-hmm. Plus, it, the word didn't mean anything to anybody. And I don't I, the, the mythology is that they didn't think that Festivus would break out the way it did. Sure. I mean, uh, they probably did not think that it would be still talked about, you know, 20 uh, some odd years later. So, you know, I would argue Festivus is bigger now than it's ever been. Like Festivus is one of the few Seinfeld things. That gets bigger every year. Like people wish each other happy Festivus. Yeah. And- yeah, I'll tell you why. Because that the whole world is made up holidays at this point. Every day True. you go on social media and you go on Facebook. And it's like, oh, today is National Licorice Day. Like, wait, mm. hold on. When? Since when? When did this uh, become a thing? The, like Festivus was one of the first things that was just, okay, a made up thing. It's on the calendar. Boom. December 23rd. You have something to say on Twitter. And on Facebook and post a meme. And now every day wants to be Festivus. All right. Can we make up our own holiday since people make up their own holidays? What should it be? Not International okay. Podcast Day. That's September 30th. <laughs> Is that really the same day every year? Yeah, I believe so. I don't think it's a floating holiday like you want. No, maybe that's what we could float here. So now I have an idea. July 4th is a lonely day for someone who has to work, right? Yeah. What what if, especially someone doesn't work in, in the U.S., so they they have to work July 4th or they, you know, their boss sucks and they have to go in on Independence Day. What, so what if we made our holiday July 4th, which is this next uh, Tuesday and it's international. But you said licorice day. I want to build on that and be more specific. International pull and peel Twizzler Day. Pull and peel Twizzler Day. You know, pull and peel. You know, the pull and peel Twizzlers. Well, what it's are like, we getting out of like this? A, I mean, I'm not a big Twizzler guy. Well, I'm the biggest Twizzler guy. So like 100 plus zero still equals 100. Mm, yeah, I guess so. I thought you might want to be uh, have some sort of soup day. Well, in July, that would be insane. I want to do something <laughs> well, that, that we could do planning. on the podcast. Sure. <laughs> that would be big. Why does it have to be in July? It has to be next week? Well, yeah. I mean, if we're going to forget about this in two weeks. So I think we got to like have it for this coming <laughs> we week. We got to strike so while if, the iron is hot. 
Yeah. If you are, you have to go into work or you have to take care of your kids or, you know, you have, you don't have fun July 4th plans. Go out to the CVS or the Rite Aid or the, I don't know, not Whole Foods, but anywhere else that, because Whole Foods probably doesn't sell this. Buy some pull and peel twizzlers, not the gross watermelon ones, the green and red. Well, just what is the the, red so ones. special about a pull and peel twizzler? It's my, fa- it's my favorite food in the whole world. Pull and peel twizzlers. Okay. I just like glob. I don't know why. What's well, what, so special what about What do they do? What, what, is, what is the difference between a pull and peel twizzler and a regular twizzler? I just, I'm a texture guy and I like the softness of the pull and peel twizzlers more than like the sort of hard, the ends of the twizzlers don't, even though I, I, I'm, a, I, I'm a twizzler lover, the ends of the twizzlers are a little too pointy for me. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the crust of a bread. Like you almost want to rip off the ends and then just eat the middle of the twizzler. Yeah. Okay. Well, how so many pull and peel in, Twizzlers yeah. uh, do you eat? Like on a like, uh, are we going like on a day or like a week? If I have a bag, I will eat it while I'm at work. Mm-hmm. The whole bag. It's a lot. That's probably like eight days of carbohydrate. Yeah. Are they bites? Uh, are they not like one long? Well, string? the way it works, it's like nine strings of Twizzlers in one. So a normal person would just like string them down like a string cheese, right? Yeah. And take like one string, and then and then you know, and there's nine of them. Yeah, but I I sort of eat them in half, so I'll have like half of the nine and then the other half. Of the okay, nine. and only cherry, pig. Uh, cherry or, or I think they have strawberry too, but not the watermelon. Those are gross, and God forbid black licorice. I okay. mean, that's we're not talking about that. So uh, we're but we're, can are you on board? Can we declare July Fourth International Pull and Peel Twizzard Day? Well, aren't you seen as unpatriotic at the point where you're celebrating International Pull and Peel Twizzler Day and not the Fourth of July? I feel like our enemies will really use Ooh, this to paint point. us as being up there un American celebrating. When you say, oh, so when you say our enemies, you mean <laughs> Pull and Peel Twizzler Day over the American holiday, which should take precedence i was gonna say it's independence from regular twizzlers mm, no no i think you're this <laughs> okay, is you're what if we push into, it off to wednesday the fifth wednesday what the if 5th. we push this off to wednesday the fine 5th? july 5th some people are still off from work some right people are like oh we get a long weekend or we get the extra day so if you're stuck at work you know tweeted us pictures of you you go out to work on the way stop off at the local supermarket at the at your king Cullen. okay so and, and uh Buy some pull and peel twizzlers and then tweet it at We us. will record our next podcast on uh, International Pull and Peel Twizzler Day. It's very wordy also. Listen, it's, this is just a trial. And I also think... Is it pull um, and peel or pull and peel? Is it, pull, um, up, up, like, uh, it, it's, the N is in quotes. It's just the letter, it's the word N. So how do you hashtag letter N that? In quotes. P-U-L-L-N, peel. Mm-hmm. Okay. But oh, but you're saying, but like, how do we hash? Oh, because it's too long, right? International Pull and Peel Twizzler Day. Mm-hmm. Well, all you have to do is say that and then tweet the picture at us of you eating Pull and Peel Twizzlers. Okay, fair enough. All right, Keith. So uh, let's see how many people uh, give us or have our back on International Pull and Peel. I'm guessing. Day. I'm guessing zero. I'm really guessing it's going to be zero. <laughs> it would be it's hard to imagine even one person does this, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I would send you some if uh, that there we didn't have to deal with. Uh, you know, for we can't even celebrate International uh, Twizzler Day because I don't know how to ship something to you internationally. Why? Well, I also don't. Yeah, it's it. It would it would get here too late. I think also. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, Newman, the international Newman is worse than the American Newman. Yeah. So I'll take a picture of it and send it to you. All right. So happy. You, so are you going to do this? You're going to go out and get pull and peel Twizzlers and try them? I mean, do I have to eat them? You have to eat one and then you can give them to your kids or throw them in the okay. garbage. I, I think my wife will eat them all. That's fine. Okay, perfect. Fine. Okay. There you go. All right. Let's get into the episode before uh, Scott St. Pierre has a uh, conniption of uh, that we've gone on for 10 minutes about Twizzlers here. All right. 
So, uh, Keith, let's talk about the strike. And, of course, uh, this is uh, coming to us from uh, December of uh, 1997, back on December 18th. So, uh, right in the holiday season. Yeah, last 97 episode. Next week, we are going 98. It's also worth pointing out, we haven't really mentioned this at all, like, the show ends, you know, is about to end in five months. When people are watching this episode at home, while it certainly was on the table, you know, for the last two years already, so it's in certainly in people's minds, it was not yet known that this was the final season of the show. Okay. By the time we come back, the dealership, the first episode of 1998, Jerry will have announced it. He announces it the day after Christmas. That's International Seinfeld's over, December 26th. <laughs> so so this is the last episode where you know like there's still like the bliss of hey you know the show isn't ending so maybe we'll we'll also spot i I'd imagine they would have at least written the next episode um but maybe we'll spot at some point in the next few weeks if we could see like hey they're sort of steering this to the finish line for the first mm-hmm. time okay Keeve, uh, we start off with uh, Tim Watley's Hanukkah party uh, that uh, we've uh, learned that he is uh, still Jewish, has not converted back. We find out that's because uh, he doesn't have Jewish parents. So that's uh, part of the reason why it's so easy for him. And so Tim Watley is uh, really using this Hanukkah party as sort of like a, a singles bar. Yeah, it does seem like a singles party. Everyone we see there is single. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you th- Does this look like a fun party? Hmm. Not that fun, but it seems like that. I mean, uh, that we have uh, pontificated before is Tim Watley a swinger? And is this basically like uh, some sort of uh, you just meet people out here and then uh, you're, you know, you're off on some uh, wild experience? Yeah, it does seem like people are, are looking to, uh, you know, mingle here. Like Denim I would say guy. this party is, yeah, for a, for a Hanukkah party, I'd say this party is uh, lit. Yeah, yeah, really lit. Uh, all the candles lit. Uh, for eight well, maybe days. it's the first night and not. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? All right. So Elaine is spotted by denim vest guy uh, that he is going to be played by Kevin McDonald of Kids in the Hall fame. Well, f- fame, I would use like in quotations, but I guess Kids in the Hall was popular. It was big. I never really yeah. went into it. He looked my my note was he looks very Canadian. And on on his IMDb page, it does indeed uh, say that he's from. Montreal. And you can say that because you're 25 percent Canadian. That's right. I can say that he looks Canadian because I'm a quarter Canadian. Yeah. And uh, I, for whatever reason, McDonald is a very Canadian name. I feel like 90 percent of the people named McDonald are Canadian. Um, that the kids in the hall used to be on like during the daytime when I was in college on like Comedy Central beyond like at two o'clock and yes. never loved it. But a lot of times it was like it was on. I agree. It was on, but it was, you know, it was one of those things like I barely liked it enough to watch it. I, it, it was like, someone must like this, but it's not for me. That's what I always thought. Yeah, I think that half of the appeal of the kids in the hall was that there were no women on it and the men just played all the women parts. And I wonder if that would fly as sort of like, uh, not, not like it'd be offensive, but would that be enough to sort of like uh, make it be a hilarious show? Uh, I didn't even remember that, that it's just the guy, all guys. Yeah. So. Um, you know, imagine this guy in drag. Uh, that, I think that's part of like half the jokes. And they're just an improv troupe, basically. They got their own show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sort of. I feel like the improv troupe gets their own show. Uh, that's all. You know, the success rate for the TV show is pretty low. <laughs> it's low. Um, even like Upright Citizens Brigade, uh, we, you know, uh, it didn't it didn't work out for them as a TV show. But it doesn't mean that uh, not talent. It's just a tough format to pull off. 
Anyway, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, there are a lot of talents that just, yeah, it doesn't work as a show. Okay. So we find out Elaine has a fake phone number and uh, that she always uh, gives out to everybody. And uh, this is a number that spells out no Elaine. With, leave off the last E for F. <laughs> uh, Keith, have you ever gotten a fake phone number? No, I don't think like uh, I don't. I, I've never even gotten like a, 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 a you know a woman's phone number like even you know I would settle I would have settled for a fake in high school. Yeah. You know? um, what about you? No, I, I never got a real phone number. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like uh, I don't think I had anybody's phone number. So um, yeah, that that was uh, that was the thing. Is, is it still like is the goal to get somebody's phone number like still, or do you want them to just friend you on Facebook? Like when 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 humans meet now, what do they do? Yeah, right. What is the what is the most common exchange? That's a good question. Because mm-hmm. I think text, you know, you you still have texting. So I'm going to guess it's phone number. Oh, yeah. They do text. Um, right. Give me your number. So I can what text I, you. What I found from my single friends is I, I don't think you friend the person on Facebook after like one day. Yeah. Because then I think it's awkward if you unfriend them. So I think you do wait until the relationship's like more established, like three or four days. Yeah, in. You got a lot of bad. So if it's not there. Facebook. Right. Yeah. If it's not Facebook, I think you. You just exchange numbers in your text. Obviously, don't call someone. This is, you know, it's still the 90s. It's amber time. Like, we're not psychopaths here. Right. Uh, George is also raving about uh, these kosher cocktail franks. Uh, Keith, are you a cocktail frank guy? No, I'm a full hot dog full guy. Hot I'm not interested guy. in the mini hot dogs. Uh, yeah. Not, we're not even a pig in a blanket? I'm fine with the pig in the blanket. I, I'm not anti the I pig in the it. blanket. I, but I can't get enough. Yeah, no, I, you know what? You dip it in mustard. Sometimes at these things, they don't have the mustard. Like, if someone's bringing around, like, hors d'oeuvres. But yeah, if you could dip it in a little mustard, I do like you it. get good the ones. quality of the meat. Yeah, the quality of the meat in the pig in the blanket is pretty low, though. I have to say. Well, I mean, you got to make your own. Start with a you know quality hot dog. Okay, yeah, but I don't know how to cook because it's always. <laughs> What's the cook? You put it on a on a sheet and put them. Uh, that that that's a uh, a big favorite of mine. Yeah, no, I, I I do like it. I felt like when I was a kid, I had it a lot, and I don't think I come across it a lot nowadays. Okay. All right. Uh, Jerry spots a woman. He goes over to uh, talk to her. His pickup line is, uh, you may not know it to look at me, but I can run really fast. Yeah. What do you, how do you think that works as a pickup line? I mean, I think that anything is just to be an icebreaker. I mean, it doesn't matter what you say, as long as you sort of like can cut through the awkward. Why is this person talking to me? I think you just come out with any sort of like, uh, you know, I sell encyclopedias on the weekend. Like what? Really? Does, oh, like, does that impress people? Like, if would that impress a woman if you say I could run really fast? I don't know if it's an, an impressive thing, but it just is like a sort of like a way to. It's like a car crash to just start of like uh, set off a conversation. Like, wait, what? Why? How fast do you run? Like, you're you're in the middle of like it's. You just get past the really awkward first part. Uh, yeah, I don't think like, but I just don't think anyone would care enough to follow up with that. But uh, I guess it's. I've heard worse pickup lines. Yeah, I mean, and then if she runs away, she runs away. What are you gonna do? Uh, so Elaine, uh, we also see, uh, she gives in her phone number to uh denim vest guy, which is going to uh, set off a chain reaction of events here in this episode. Uh, Jerry and George are at monks and, uh, we see that George is going to call in sick, uh, from Kroger or is it Kruger or Kroger? Kruger. Kruger. Uh, Kruger, Kruger. Kroger is the supermarket. Yeah, what, yeah. What's Kroger? Yeah, it's a market. And so, uh, Jerry is asking George what he's doing. He's brought his mail in there and he's opening up cards and he sees that he got a card from Tim Watley that says uh, that a donation has been made in your name to the Children's Alliance. Yeah. One, you know, one of my not really an issue, but my question about this episode is, do you think the Children's Alliance is a real charity? 
Uh, I would guess not. Right. And Watley's a shady guy. If this came from someone reputable, then I'd say, okay, that's cool. Oh, that just, like, like, is the rolling. Children's Alliance really a charity? I thought, or did Tim Watley? No, George? in the world of Seinfeld. No, no, no not, in, not, in the, not in the world that we're living in, but in the world of Seinfeld. I think in the world of Seinfeld, it is. Because hmm. George doesn't okay. talk about like, well, I'm going to, you know, he says I'm going to pull a Watley, but that there's no sort of like, uh, like follow up with Tim Watley. Of, if this was uh, that they suspected Tim Watley was doing this, George would be doing the investigating of Tim Watley. Like, I'm going to find out if Watley, if this Children's Alliance even exists. You're right. But again, they don't have, really have time for it. But it is interesting to uh, like, there's definitely a chance that he didn't, he didn't. Uh, there certainly is a chance. You know, he, certainly is a chance that it's a bogus charity. Yeah. Now I thought this was so bizarre that uh, Jerry says to George about like, uh, "See, uh, this is what I've been telling you. You give, you get." Um, and what Jerry has been like preaching about? Uh, you need to give to get presents. Yeah, it doesn't seem like anything Jerry would ever have said, right? <laughs> right. Now. The weird thing to me about this episode is that all last season, we saw that George was on the board of a charitable organization, the Susan Ross Foundation, uh, which, um, I mean, it was never disbanded in the show, correct? No, but George was kicked off. He's kicked, he's kicked off of the board. So, I mean, he's talking about how in this episode, oh, I always wanted to run a charitable organization. I could have a driver. And it seems like the George has quickly forgotten that he was in that very position only but a year ago. Right. And George should have at the very least realized like, oh, they're going to want some sort of, uh, you know, whatever you whatever it's called, what you get when you um, receipt what you know, when you give charity. Yeah. The receipt or it's not called the receipt, but whatever, you know, the the smart person equivalent of whatever the receipt is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for your tax deduction. Right. I'm blanking on the name. <laughs> so. Anyway, uh, Elaine comes in and uh, we hear about the saga with the atomic sub. Keith, have you ever had a card where you were trying to save up to uh, get a certain number of punches on the card and get something for free? When I was younger, my wife, my wife gets these like $10 shakes. And so they like, I think every 10th one, you get a free one. What's a $10 and shake? So, like ice cream shake? It's. No, it's like uh, there's it's like a smoothie. You know, there's like a lot of fruit things and you mm -hmm. shake them around and you give them 10 bucks and they they give you the drink. It's like a Jamba Juice uh, type thing. Sort of like a fancy, like an upper scale Jamba Juice type thing. Upper scale Jamba Juice. Look at you, Keith. Why is up? I, I don't know anything about a Jamba Juice. Maybe Jamba, Jamba, juice, Jamba juice sounds expensive. kind of like. OK, so it's it's exactly like Jamba. You get juice. like an orange juice, a Jamba Juice. It's like uh, 650. Okay, so maybe it's the same thing, but and she, it seems like she gets the large too. But yeah, the only way I know about that is like my kid has one. It's like, oh, that's the free one. Yeah, I for a very long time uh, was like getting like a super cuts haircut uh, ticket punch, and eventually I was just like, uh, what the hell? I'm not. I mean, uh, twelve haircuts is a lot of haircuts. I was losing the card. A lot of places for a while were like making you like sign in with like your pin code, and like I had to carry a card with me. That's annoying. A pin code, a pin code for the barber. Not for, um. I, well, I do think at <laughs> Supercuts, uh, I think I had like a keychain or something like that. Or or well, how uh, like, often do you get no, your? Haircut not often. You get, no, I like, mean, like like once a month. And 
uh, they would like make you like there were places that were like making you like uh, like have a barcode for something. And also like the type of things that give you every 10th one is free are not that expensive. Like, right. The supercuts, the the atomic sub, it's it's like not even worth the effort of carrying around this ticket a lot of times. Right. And so we find out Elaine has had 23 subs uh, that they stamped her card. She's uh, one away from being a submarine captain. Right, which we, you know, we find out later is more than just a free sub. I think there's a hat involved, too, yes. Cherry says. But this storyline seems out of character for Elaine, no? It does. It's not like, a, oh, my gosh, this should be a Kramer storyline, even though I could see it being a Kramer storyline. It's weird that she really dedicates her entire, like, you know, lo, you know, like, week that we see on the show. I don't know. We could talk about, like, the uh, how the days work on in this episode. But, like, a lot of time basically hang out in H&H Bagel to get the phone call just to get the free sub. Yeah, it seems a little out of character, but I get the obsession of like, I want that free sub and I'm going to go to the end of the end of the earth to get it. She wants it bad. Okay, so George is also opening up a card from his dad, uh, which is a Festivus card. Our first mention of Festivus. Yeah. You know, I even when I watched the episode for the first time. I I, like I don't remember thing like, oh, Festivus, that's going to catch on and all like, you know, it's not intended to necessarily be the A storyline in the episode. Right. Because it's not the title. I think the Kramer strike, the idea of the idea of Kramer having had a job and just being having been on strike for the last decade to the writers, that was probably going to be like the big eye opener this mm-hmm. week. So I, the fest they're you know, they're on the record like the festivist came out of nowhere to be like one of the more iconic Seinfeld things. Yeah. And we find out that as a kid, uh, George's dad, Frank, uh, became uh, disenchanted with the traditional holidays. So he ended up uh, creating his own holiday, Festivus, where instead of a tree, you put up a Festivus pole. uh, And then there are also feats of strength, which tend to end with George always crying. Uh, Yeah, we hear we hear a glimpse of it, uh, you know, through a cassette. And just it's so funny here seeing that cassette later in the episode. But uh, it does not sound doesn't sound like much has changed in the Costanza house since George was a child. No, It does not seem like it. Okay. Uh, we then, uh, see, uh, Jerry come home and, uh, Kramer is reading the VCR manual on his couch. Elaine comes in, uh, she needs to, uh, get the free sub card, but she gave that to Denim Vest. The, yeah. I mean, first of all, the fact that she knows that is like, this is such a a valuable, like it's a treasure to her that the fact that she remembers like, oh, I just wrote it on a random card without checking what the card is. That's pretty sloppy from Elaine. Very sloppy, but she wanted to get away from Denim Vest so badly. Jerry doesn't really understand the appeal of the free sub. Elaine says it's like a long, bad movie, but you want to see the end of it. Jerry says, no, you walk out. Uh, Would you walk out of a movie, Keeve, at the end? At the very end? No, I'm not. I'm I'm not a walkout. I'm not a movie walkout guy. Yeah. Uh, I've done it. It's a good feeling. I don't know. I, I wouldn't power it. move. It is a power move, but like, who are you showing? You know, what are you? <laughs> the movie like, theater. Who are you showing up? The, movie the director. You're like, go home and tweet at him and say like, walked out. I walked out of your movie. Yeah. Um, so Jerry says, you don't need the card. Uh, joking around. He's saying uh, a high end hoagie outfit like that. It's all computerized. They're cloning sheep now. Uh, is that the most 1997 quote in the history of Seinfeld? I mean, here's a cassette player, I think, is the most 1997 well, quote. But that could be, you know, for any time from 1987. Oh, so to, specifically 1997? Yes. That's up there. Yeah, yeah, that's right there. Uh, Kramer is saying, like, uh, no way. They're not cloning the sheep. He saw Harry Blackstone do that trick with two goats and a handkerchief on the Dean Martin show. That's an old reference also. 
Yeah. I mean, older than the Merv Griffin show. Remember when they were cloning Dolly the sheep and that was like a big news for a while? I mean, yeah, that was all people talked about for it was like uh, like the punchline of every joke was like right before right in that sweet spot, like pre Viagra being the punchline to every joke. Dolly the sheep, I think, was the punchline to every joke. The the Leno. We should like do it like a, a side episode where we just go through like Leno's like main. If someone could do research like Sean Falconer and like like you know because leno for in like 94 95 it's all oj right yeah the whole monologue is oj if I mean, you isn't do chester if you're on this letterman. already i'm sure he has this spreadsheet yeah chester should have this chester write it and let us know and then 96 i'm not like at a certain point probably 97 you get to dolly the sheep and then probably the next year or something you get to well, viagra. Yeah, well, and right. and the, viagra and monica Lewinsky, i think and then um, and then Mon- you're right monica Lewinsky's in the in this time period also monica Lewinsky's 98 i think right so um so yeah, so between Viagra, that's I think that's the Mount Rushmore of '90s late night jokes. Is <laughs> OJ? OJ is number one all time. Yeah, but then Viagra, Dolly the Sheep, Monica Lewinsky. Dolly the Sheep is definitely fourth. Yeah, but it, it's definitely up there. Clone, you know, they're cloning. Yeah, the cloning was big. Yeah. Do you think there was any chance in 1997 that we would think 20 years ahead to the future that there wouldn't just be cloned sheep everywhere? It's kind of disappointing. Like, I'm not a sheep fan myself. I'm not a big sheep guy, but I, I do think like it would be cool if there were more sheep around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's there's not a lot of sheep around and OJ's not around. Like, what were the odds of that in 1997? Yeah, but at least OJ is coming back. OJ is getting out in October. This podcast is supposed to end in September. Should we push off the ending of the podcast just so we could have OJ on the finale? I mean, is the tie-in that the OJ trial was sort of the basis for a lot of the Jackie Child stuff? I mean, yes, and just like is OJ. Like, would you let, you know, you wouldn't let me have Shkreli on the podcast yeah. uh, like a year ago. Where, where would you, I mean, OJ was found innocent. Yeah. Of, uh, you know, I mean, he robbed somebody, but okay. Like, it was to get his own memorabilia back. I honestly, that doesn't, to me, that doesn't make him worst guy on earth. Could we yeah. have OJ on the show if he agrees to come? I mean, on? OJ has served his time, and yeah. um, I feel like that if OJ wanted to come on the Seinfeld post show recap, I, I would not have a problem with him. Well, what would we talk about Seinfeld? We would just do like the regular episode. Yeah, you, you don't mention the case at all. Don't don't mention like jail. I mean, I guess it would be good then for the finale because he just spent did a lot of hard time, mm-hmm. so he could say like, "Oh, that's not accurate." Like, why is Elaine in a cell? Right. Spoiler alert for anyone who doesn't know the series. Are you going to try like, to steal him know, the whole time to go on 32 fans podcast and talk about football? No, oh, I'm not going to steal him. I'm okay. not going to. What is it like the, you know, you go to ESPN and then you do like the junket take or whatever it is. Right. And you do like the whole junket. They call it the uh, car wash. Yeah. Okay. ESPN. So it's not like the car wash. And We're not going like, to get him like AF with OJ yeah, later we'll do, on I was that about day. to say like we get like OJ on News AF. I think Tyson would like OJ on News AF. Sure. I think that would work. Yeah. Get him on 32 fans. Like, I don't think he's caught up on, like, the leftovers or anything like that. I'm not sure what we could do with like him. on a post-show recap. You don't know what he's been yeah, watching. I'm, right. I mean, he, like, he might, he might still be, like, caught up on Survivor. Like, he was, he, he by the time he got to jail, like, Twitter didn't exist and podcast didn't yeah. exist when he went to jail. But, like, Survivor was already, like, 10 seasons deep. The network even know show and there's women in bathing suits on it. And uh, I do think hmm. it is a popular show in prison. Yeah. And, and machetes. Like, he's all about that. Network show. So, okay. It's interesting. All right, so they tell Elaine, try your blow-off number, uh, which we will soon find out is uh, some sort of an OTB. Uh, Meanwhile, the phone rings for Kramer. The strike has been settled. It's time to go back to work. He's been on strike from H&H Bagels for all these years, and now they are headed back to work. Who calls Kramer? Yeah, someone asked this in the the mailbag, and it's not clear, right? It's a good question because they don't expect him when he comes. 
I guess like the union, like maybe they're they were part of a bigger union. So they called and they gave everyone a courtesy call. There's a That's bagel union. That's what I'm going with. No, like the bagel workers are in a restaurant workers union. That's my guess. And were the restaurant sense? workers on strike for all these years? No, just the just the bagel workers were on strike. But like the the restaurant workers union settled the strike. So they're calling all the strikers, the 12 strikers and saying like, hey, it's time to get back to work. And 11 of them are like, oh, I forgot about that. And Kramer's like, OK, going right back into H&H. Really wanted a bagel after this episode. It does make you hungry for bagels, even though the bagels you see aren't that like appetizing. Yeah, I agree. It makes you hungry for What's bagels. What's the best bagel, Keeve? I think we did bagel rankings did like a few months ago. What like, was your number one? I'm an everything guy. Everything. I like sesame, but I'm an yeah. everything guy. What was your number one? Yeah, everything is uh, is pretty great. I like a wheat everything if I can get it, but you know, I won't be picky. I would like like there's a guy Jared Jerome who who has been emailing me that he's binging the podcast and he like just I think ripped through like hundred bagels. No, he I mean he might binge bagels too. <laughs> But he binged like 100 episodes. So I would be interested. I should ask him. But now he's already 100 in. Like, what are the things we've said the most that we thought like each time was original? Yeah. <laughs> like, how many times did we give our bagel power rankings? Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask sure. him, like, what's the one story that I've undoubtedly told seven times thinking it was the first time I'm well, telling? We got to refresh it. Listen, it's like it's like, you know what? This is like when you I, every year in school, you'd be at the end of 10th grade and you're with your friends and it's June. And you hear some story like, oh, I've heard this like 20 times. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, we need like a summer break. That's really why we're ending the podcast. We just kind of need like a short break. From each okay, other. we'll do better the, the second time around. Okay, <laughs> uh, so they're up to 535 an hour. Uh, so uh, they finally are going to uh, meet Kramer's salary demands. Yeah, it's funny how minimum wages changed. Yeah. So just, like what was Bernie doing in 1997, letting minimum wage be 535? <laughs> that I don't know that he wasn't working on it at that point. All right. So, uh, Jerry wasn't, wait, hold on. You had a job. Uh, like, how come you didn't mention this? Uh, and Kramer says, well, it was embarrassing. I didn't want you to know I was out of work. It's a funny line. Yeah. Okay. So Kramer is back at the bagel store. Uh, bagel store manager has no idea who he is. And, uh, that, you know, mentions about how all the other bagel workers, uh, got other jobs, uh, 10 years ago, but, uh, he hires Kramer back. He needs somebody for the holidays. I mean, it's just so amazing that, um, you know, that that like it's such a funny idea that Kramer's literally just been on strike from this like menial job for 12 years. Yeah. And so that Kramer sees raisin bagels. Can't believe it. He never thought he would live to see the day. Yeah, that's a funny line. Like I, I could see that he was like boycotting bagels the last 12 years. Also, like he didn't go into H&H or any other bagel store. Yeah. I mean, to not know about a raisin bagel. I mean, I mean, that seems like a uh, pretty common no. Yeah, like it's not even cinnamon raisin, right? It's just regular raisin. I do think that's pretty basic. Yeah, pretty basic bagel. Okay, are you again anti uh, a raisin bagel? It's the, it, it would I would sooner eat a raisin bagel than nothing. There's a lot of foods I'd rather not have than other, but like it's it's very low on my list of bagels. Okay, uh, I don't mind it. I'm not mad at it. I just it doesn't go well. Like, what are you putting on? Can you imagine having like tuna with cinnamon raisin bagel, like tuna on a bagel with cinnamon? Right, like, right. There's certain there's certain things that really don't go well. Like Almost like if you're going to have a plain bagel, that's fine. I guess cream cheese. I don't eat cream cheese, but like I guess cream cheese would work the cinnamon raisin. Butter is fine. I don't know what the best top is. Butter is is the utility player for bagels, right? It works on every bagel. Works with everything. All right. uh, Back at the off-track betting, Elaine uh, is looking for if the guy called up, uh, she announces who she is as Elaine Bennis. And uh, there are these two guys who are very excited to meet Elaine Bennis. Uh, Keith, did you watch the inside look? I did. Yes. 
So we find out that the one sleazy Jack Black looking guy, uh, we find out that this guy is a porn star. The, well, which guy is? The really the one who looks like Jack Black. Cause yeah. the, the, what, what's fascinating is the other guy, the, they don't have names, right? One is, uh, one is a uh, sleazy guy. They, yeah. <laughs> one is, right. I, well, I don't know. One is, uh, yeah, I think Colin Malone is sleazy guy. I guess he's the porn guy because it's definitely not Tracy Letts. Because, um, the I you know I I watched the inside look, but maybe it just maybe I like turned away for a second because I did not when they were talking about porn star. Yeah, I didn't. I don't remember hearing she's it. She's slipping. Yeah, but no, you know what? It, it, it makes sense because his IMDb page, Colin Malone does have a lot of porn stuff. But listen to this dichotomy of the two guys because Tracy Letts, the other guy, I think the main one, uh, he's just like a background actor, and this is 1997. 2000 and uh, like about a decade later, he wins the Pulitzer Prize. Mm-hmm. He, he writes August Osage County, which is a famous play. And so he is literally a Pulitzer Prize winner. He's married to Carrie Coon, who's the, who's the, who's the who was the female star of uh, The Leftovers. Yes. Uh, he like becomes a really he's big deal. He's, just like Coon. A, he's married to Carrie Coon. Let's try saying that 10 times yeah. fast. He's married to Carrie Coon. Well, uh, um, he, he's doing well for himself. Colin Malone went on to star in a number of adult films, including Colin's sleazy friends. uh, And uh, there happened. No, even better. He wrote that. He didn't even star in it. He He wrote wrote that. Yeah. Yeah, He wrote the script. Um, Yeah. I'm I'm looking at the, uh, the box cover and uh, that, uh, that he is uh, on the receiving end of uh, an act from (laughs) one of, said sleazy friends ironically he his name in this episode is sleazy guy and that must have been the inspiration like ooh, i'm sleazy i may as well do sleazy stuff yeah and then he goes out into like the adult world no, i think and, he already uh, was you know. a porn star at the point that they hired him because uh that in the inside look julia louis dreyfus is just like hysterical the whole time that she's trying to ask the question at the festivus dinner she can't look right at i saw that I, but i must have missed like the whole you know I guess I was like listening with half an ear for a second because I didn't, yeah. Yeah, I didn't hear that. Okay, all right. So, uh, that these guys like they both want to go out with Elaine. It's weird that they're like they both want to ask her out. And, yeah, but uh, he's sort of like pimping Elaine out to his friend. That's what he's trying to do. Is that what he's doing? Seems like right. He's like my friend would like to date you. I thought they're, they're saying they the, both the want to date OTB. her. They do both want to date her. That's why they both show up. Okay. But, like when he says it at first, he's sort of trying to sell her to the other guy well she gives her number to, to them but she actually gives them the h&h bagel uh phone number uh so jerry is now out to dinner with the woman that he met at the tim watley party gwen but this time keeve uh when uh she shows up and uh jerry is talking to tim watley uh it feels weird that he's like oh by the way i'm going out with some woman that i met at your house why is that weird? I actually thought it was like a cool, like, all right, that's, you know, like it, it was worth saying. It would be weird if you didn't say it. Well, I like, feel hey, like we that, met at your party. But Tim Watley's response is Mazel Tov, not, oh, who? Right. He doesn't ask who. That's weird. He must know. He's friends with Gwen. That's why she's invited to the party. So there's a good chance she said, hey, this guy invited me out. Is he a creep? Otherwise, I'm going to say no. So it's very possible Watley knows from the other side. Yet when she shows up, like Tim Watley gives Jerry a look like, oh, good luck. Right. Because now she's unattractive. Right. And Watley might know that there's like two sides to Gwen also. He knows about the Two-Face thing? I mean, it's it's like it's hard to miss, right? I think everyone knows about the Two-Face thing. Well, why is she invited to the party? What what kind of person do you think Watley is? A swinger. 
And a racist, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and somebody who uh, may be, you know, committing some sort of sexual act when he's putting people under. Right. I guess he's not a great guy. That's what we're getting at. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, meanwhile, uh, Jerry goes to go and uh, meet George at Monk's and they, uh, or I think they're back at the Jerry's apartment. Uh, and they're talking about how she's like a two-face uh, and Jerry says, oh, like the uh, bad guy from Batman, and George is really indignant about it. Like, if that helps, sure. Yeah, it seems like George would be the one who knows the Batman villains, right? You would think so. And so Jerry uh, doesn't know about asking her out again. Why is Jerry even dabbling with this? Uh, you know, we're at this point where they have a new attractive girlfriend every week. If it did not go well, if they have a bad first date, why is he, you know, trying to make this work? It's really one of the strange parts of the episode, right? There's no incentive for Jerry to keep dating her. Mm -hmm. If she was like the world's most attractive woman on like the good days, that would be one thing. I guess that would be a hard editing thing. It's like, this is another thing we've discussed before. Like when they're casting this, it's like a woman who can both be attractive and ugly. Like, yeah. Is that what they're putting in the call sheet? No, the, but they'll ugly her up. They were just like they tried to do with Elaine in the uh, steam bag. Yeah, kind true. Of. But uh, yeah, I, it, you're, you're absolutely correct. It makes no sense that Jerry puts any effort into this relationship. So George announces what he's doing over at Kruger. He is going to pull a Watley. He's giving people donations to the human fund money for people. Yeah. It's really funny how like many things came out of this episode, right? Like the, the strike stuff did not hold up, but like the human fund and Festivus are things that are like, in the top 10 of like still mentioned in Seinfeld lore. Yes. And I actually this past year uh, from my uh, secret Santa in the Rob as a podcast uh, patron group, uh, Maureen, she sent me a card that a donation was made uh, in my name to the human fund. So the human fund is still going. I hope that wasn't the only part of her gift. <laughs> it was it was part of it. It was part of it. Uh <laughs> And it also uh, came with extra envelopes if I want to uh, re-gift my uh, <laughs> gift to the human fund. Like that label Baby Junior. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and have you re-gifted him so far? Or are you waiting for no, next No, I want to keep it. I don't want to give, give that away. Yeah. All right. So Kramer comes in with bagels uh, for the guys uh, that first they're grossed out. They think Kramer uh, made them, but they found out that they were day olds. I really liked Kramer's line delivery on this, uh, talking about the Dale bagel says that uh, the homeless uh, won't even touch them. Oh, we try to fool them by putting a few fresh ones on the top, but they dig. They test. I mean, why is Kramer bringing this? Th I guess like Kramer would eat them. It's just weird that Kramer is is like feeding Jerry and George's stuff. You know, another funny thing of the Seinfeld universe slash worldview the homeless are very picky eaters that people seem to feel like, okay, here's this food I don't want. I'll give it to the homeless. And they always uh, reject it. Right. I mean, first of all, I feel, do you think the show has an anti-homeless bent? I think so. Yeah. I don't, I feel like, I feel like they're not pro-homeless on the show. No. Well, let, let's go on the record. We are a pro-homeless. We're podcast. certainly pro-homeless. And uh, mm. in fact, we're anti-people yeah. with homes. Yeah, we are anti-home. That's a good point. I was really worried where you're going to go. There, like, in fact, yeah. like <laughs> F the homed. <laughs> the homed, uh, they have it too good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So uh, that's how I feel about the homeless. Yeah, we love homeless. Yeah. All right. 
So uh, we uh, then uh, find out uh, from Elaine, uh, she comes in, uh, wishes George a happy Festivus. And uh, Kramer, this is the first he's hearing about it. And uh, it upsets George. It sends him out. He ends up leaving. Uh, the, uh, you know, first of all, like, can we talk about the human fund for a second? Sure. The like, couldn't George have come up with a better name, like a more generic name? I feel like it's too sexy and therefore fake sounding. Um, I don't have an issue with the human fund. I, I think that's fine. I mean, I think that um, it sounds fake enough, but like also sounds phony enough. Mm hmm. Yeah, you, that, yeah. You are you mad at it? No, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I just, okay. I, I, I think, and we could, we could go to this more when he goes into Kruger and gives this stuff out. But George makes a lot of un-George like mistakes in this episode that really could have, like, you know, he could have saved himself very easily. Yeah. So Elaine tells Kramer, "Hey, if a guy calls up H and H Bagels and he's looking for me, take the message because it's going to be the bookie who's calling up for me." And so she's still trying to track down the free sub card. I mean, the, the level, like, how much is this sub? Have we established? Is it like, a, it's got to be back in the day. Three ninety nine. Like, you know, we have five dollar footlongs now. Yeah, this is mm -hmm. max five dollars. This this sub, if you got the large size. Right. So, uh, so Jerry much is on your side. He says, uh, you're still trying to get that free sub. She says, I've spent a lot of time. I've eaten a lot of crap to get where I am today. I'm not throwing it all away now. And we find out there's a captain's hat involved also. Yeah, it's just so crazy. Okay. All right, um, so that uh, we see Frank, uh, that he is uh, comes to Kramer's aid. Kramer's intrigued about everything uh, Festivus. And we get sort of the backstory, which is uh, very much like Jingle All the Way, where Frank Costanza was fighting off another parent for a toy, which we find out was a doll, a girl's doll. Yeah. Or a, or possibly a, a, a female woman. doll. Right. It could have just been a female the way that he says it. He says, I wanted to buy a doll for my son. Like, is this like some sort of adult doll, Keith? Is that what you're saying? No, because he, sa he says, I wanted to buy a, a doll for my son. What happened to the doll? And he says, that must have been some kind of doll, Kramer says. And Frank says, like, she was. Right. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's like a, a Barbie. Way he like, as a female. I guess. Uh, yeah. Like I guess it was like a hot doll. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know if it ultimately ended up being uh, in Susan's doll collection. Maybe that's one of the reasons why uh, George is so upset. Yeah, maybe he still had the scars over the doll. Although he never, I mean, he never saw the doll because it got broken. Yeah, maybe he like swore off dolls after that. It's very possible. Yeah. Um, and so Frank says a new holiday was born, a Festivus for the rest of us, which also has stuck. Oh, yeah. More than stuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Still on the upswing, I would say. Still on the upswing. All right. So uh, we see George walking around the office handing out uh, human fund uh, donations to people. Uh, nobody seems interested uh, that he gives one to uh, Mr. Kruger. Uh, he just says, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and George, exactly. I do like that they paint Kruger as this like just totally inept, ridiculous place. Like it's an interesting workplace that they really go to in season nine. Mm hmm. Yeah, I didn't love it in the first go round, but I think it is interesting what they're doing with the Kruger stuff. I mean, it's just like they're inept. They sort of embrace it. Kruger really doesn't care. It's almost like, a, you know, it's like a euphemism for maybe some of the people working on season nine. It's like, all right, we got one foot out the door. They're mailing it in. And I do like, though, that maybe after this episode uh, that George has really ended up uh, uh, pissing off Kruger. I mean, if can Kruger get pissed off, though, I feel like Kruger is is pretty, you know, he's pretty even keeled now. 
Yeah, well, well, let's see. Um, I know that he's going to ultimately, uh, you know, try to uh, label him Coco uh, when George wants to be named. Oh, I T-Bone. thought you meant in this episode. Sorry. No, I, I no, didn't... I mean in future okay. episodes. Does he actually dislike George from this point on? I mean, is he calling him Coco on purpose to get at him? Maybe. I think probably. But, um, you know, like, I mean, Kruger, like, really had a hundred opportunities to fire him and he's the boss so if you really hated george you would have just fired him right yeah all right so we go back to frank and kramer at the bagel store and uh you know Kramer's very interested in festivus he says this new holiday of yours is scratching me right where i itch why is kramer so taken with festivus i think ultimately it's just to get him into that final scene to get everyone in one place at at the same time at the end of the episode but is there anything about festivus that speaks to kramer is he anti-christmas just weird i think i don't know if he's anti-christmas i don't think he's anti-christmas i think he's pro weirdness so when when george says my father invented a holiday it's like wow frank is such an interesting guy yeah i do think that kramer does like to swim upstream if everybody's doing one thing he does want to do the opposite so i think that the uh, he's a nonconformist, and I think that. Well, but he's also very much that uh, he is a stickler for the rules. But I think that the nonconformity of Festivus appeals to him. Yeah, I think it is. A, it's a, yeah, it's an interesting out of the box nonconformity issue. I agree. Okay, so he ultimately is going to need the twenty third off, and his manager says, "No, we hire you to work the holidays." And Kramer ultimately is going to go on strike over this. Back on strike. Back on strike. Elaine is there. She's waiting for the phone. Uh, and Elaine says that she's going to wait for the call. And Kramer starts outing her as a scab. Yeah, I do like when he starts yelling scab. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we see then that uh, Jerry is in the back of the cab with Gwen. And it's attractive Gwen. Uh, and he says, uh, you know, I'm really glad to see you. And uh, she is starting to think that there is somebody else based on uh, the way that he's treating her, that there's two people. Hey, can I can I make an admission with the Gwen stuff? Sure. I don't think they did a good enough job separating the super hot Gwen from the ugly Gwen, because there's a couple of times I'm like waiting for the person's response. I'm like, hey, she's supposed to be pretty or ugly now because she's, you know, a pretty woman in general. But they're not like glamming her up to look even better for those scenes. And it's not like she really she doesn't look nearly as bad as Elaine looks bad when her eyes get all crazy at the end of the episode, right? Yeah, I do think that here in the cab, especially, that uh, it was kind of subtle, the difference between good Gwen and bad Gwen. It's, it's too 50-50 for me. Bad job, uh, set person or whoever whoever's in charge of the makeup or costume or whatever. You know, and to me, something like this uh, doesn't sit great with me because I would love to be able to have it be where we could say that this is just a Jerry psychosis, where... We had Tim Watley react. We had a Kramer is finds her unrecognizable at the two different times that we meet her. I feel like it would almost be better if it was just in Jerry's head about that. Sometimes she looks good. Sometimes she doesn't. Yeah. You mean like, but other people seem to see it too. Right. That, that's what I'm saying. If, if it was just yeah. in Jerry's head, I feel like that, that we could say like, okay, right. this right. is the but same. Yeah, you're right. But it's not, I think it would make more sense. It, it would be better if it was just in Jerry's head. I right. agree. But we ultimately see that, no, there actually is something wrong with her because people outside of the core four, even in Tim Watley. Right. right. Are this able is to not one this. of those scenarios. I agree. It's a good yeah. point. Okay. So uh, that Jerry is asking uh, if like Chinese or Italian, she could go either way. And Jerry says, uh, you're telling me. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm actually right now 
knocking this episode down a peg just from just from this because it oh didn't bother me the first 80 times i watched it but now now that we're talking this out i think they they messed this up okay <laughs> all right so uh we see jerry and george uh talking about uh this issue and they end up discovering that she always looks good in one particular booth at the coffee shop I mean, like because of the lighting, I guess. I mean, I like how this part of it comes together. I'm not saying this whole storyline is a disaster. Mm-hmm. Just the just the fifty fifty ish of her looks is a disaster. Okay, Kramer ends up coming in with Frank, uh, and Frank is dragging the Festivus pole. Uh, as we find out in the inside look, that that was a note from Michael Richards. Be funnier to drag the pole, and uh, that George is uh, upset. Does not want to see a Festivus pole. Uh, I mean, he has such trauma from it. Like, it's funny. Remember, we just saw, we saw him with the therapist so many times. Like, it's crazy this hasn't come up, right? The core four knows each other so well. It's insane that nobody knew about Festivus basically until right now. You would think that on a December 23rd, considering that Jerry knows about it, that it would have been brought up considering that all they do is rag on each other when any of the other ones are not around. Yeah. So you would think that at some point Jerry would have said to Elaine, like, oh, my God. Yeah, you should have been at George's house when he was growing up. His father celebrates the made up holiday like they have almost nothing to talk about. I mean, there's I mean, you'd have to assume he would have accidentally heard about it one time hanging out with George growing up. You would think so. All right. But George uh, is not excited. And so uh, we hear a tape recorder that Frank uh, has and they play that. You know, we had the home videos a couple of weeks ago. And we have the tape recorder and we hear Frank talking about, okay, it's time for the feats of strength. And uh, George saying, no, 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 uh, you know, not the feats of strength. Uh, I hate Festivus. Um, the, I, first of all, would you like to go to a Festivus meal? And hear the airing of the grievances? I mean, are I think it would be great. I would, love to, I would love to air grievances. I would love to air grievances. Would I love to be around the table and have the grievances uh aired at me well who is it who is airing grievances at you i mean if it's your wife like was she gonna come up with something new for the holidays like you know her grievances already no but i feel like, like wh- why is today different she's than any not other organized enough to have a good list of the grievances that she would just start off like okay nicole you can air the grievances uh of me now she's like uh th- that you 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 know what you do. You know what you do. That thing that you always do. Like what? 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 What do I do? Stop! You know I can't remember. That's what that would be. Yeah. You don't, don't put me on the spot. Thank God. Uh, but if it was a lot of people there, you're just worried about being like embarrassed by it. I don't know. I mean, no. I, I mean, I wouldn't want to get like roasted by like a random person. I think it would be great. I think we should really do like I, the feats of strength. Is fine. I'm I'm getting too old for feats of strength. Yes, but to to me the the airing of the grievances. I would go to a, a formal airing of the grievances festivist thing. Okay, maybe we should have uh, the airing of the grievances part of the finale celebration. I think it's a good idea. Or we could sort of like not you know the podcast ends whenever it ends, and then December twenty third we release like a mini sode where we just air grievances. Yes, maybe maybe we should have our the festivist. But we don't we don't spe- push it. It's special. just like. Yeah, it's a holiday special. We don't like publicize it anywhere. If someone's still subscribed to the feed, they see it. Or are you going to like demand a whole nother feed for this like you were for like Herb and that third thing? And Let me think about we it. We need like eight different. OK. OK. All right. All right. So uh, the big Festivus dinner coming up on Tuesday night. I mean, I, 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 I guess we should mention when we get there. But the way they set up the table is one of the weirdest things ever. It is uh, a little odd. OK. 
So here comes Gwen, and uh, Jerry wants to take it to the back booth. He uh, says, this is a good-looking booth. Yeah, I mean, have we seen the back booth before? I think we've seen people in the back booth. Yeah, we've seen it before. It's happened. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Kramer is back at the bagel store, and uh, that, you know, Elaine is waiting for a sandwich. Uh, Kramer's picketing outside. Uh, the phone rings, and it's Kramer. He says, hey, get out of there. I sabotaged the bagel machine last night. It's going down. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't work as well as he had hoped. Right. It ends up uh, being some sort of a steam leak. Uh, they asked, can we still make bagels? I said, yeah, it's just going to be steamy in here. Right. But it is still, it does seem pretty unbearable. Like, there's no way they had customers with the steam going. I mean, I don't know if a like, lane... customer walks in and sees that steam, they leave. Probably. I, I mean, I don't know how bad it was if they could have opened the window. Again, Elaine was sitting there for six hours, and that's how she ended yeah. up in the condition she was in. If you just came in and out in five minutes... I don't know if you were going to be any worse. Yeah, but the, the steam is like blowing really strongly and clearly at you. It would be weird. I don't know. Yeah, probably uh, not ideal conditions uh, to hang out there. So we see George at Kruger. Mr. Kruger gives George a check for $20,000 to the human fund. Yeah, very generous of the Krugs, man. Very generous. And he has to give money away. Uh, so that's how his, uh, you know, the, what's what happens at the holidays, I guess. They got to give some money away. Um. Yeah, I guess you ha- you have to balance the books and give some more charity, so you don't look like, hey, this person hasn't given charity. Yeah. So we go back to Jerry and Gwen, who I guess have come to the coffee shop. Is there like a time jump here where we just saw them for the first time in that booth? She says, "How many times do we have to come to this place?" Yeah, the time in this in this episode is questionable. It's got to be like it can't be lunch and then dinner, right? So it's got to be the next day. Yeah. Um, and she has a rubber band in her soup. Uh, and Jerry says, I know who's cooking today. So this is like a new thing yeah. that we've introduced that there is uh rubber bands in soup at the diner. No, I think it's not like, I think it's more like there's a guy who has a lot of rubber bands on his hand or in his hair or something. Yeah. And nobody, Jerry, the neat freak is not concerned about this. Right. Jerry should be grossed out by it. I do think the attitude in monks in this episode is a lot of people mention this in that mailbag, but it's pretty wacky and untraditional. Yeah. All right. Gwen walks out. George sits down, uh, finds the rubber band in the soup. He's like, I know who's working today. Paco. Yeah, she's pretty grossed out, though. Yeah. George. Uh, Her response is what we'd expect of Jerry. Yeah. OK. So uh, George is saying that he's actually in on this. He wants to open up a charity. He wants to be a kick ass philanthropist. And again, uh, uh, he he had that chance. Yeah. But are you surprised by the use of the word kick ass? I thought it was more of a 21st century phrase. Um, I, I had not done a sort of uh, genealogy of the, the word. Yeah, I think it's etymology for words and genealogy for family. Okay, all right. You, 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 you I, <laughs> I think you got so it. Bad when I, correct I think you got the context. Oh no, I'm gonna have to send you an apology no? letter during the week. No, you were yeah, confused. No, I got the what I meant. Okay. No, <laughs> yeah, I was very confused. Listen, is it so bad to t- like we're not in school anymore? There's no way to learn anything. Mm-hmm. If I make a mistake, you're welcome to correct me. Is it so bad? No, to teach that's somebody the something? job of the emailers. So they're the only one. We can't correct each other. They have to correct us. Mm-hmm. I'm very sorry. Can I retract my my no, my no, correction no. of you? Fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, so going back to uh, the bagel store, uh, we see Elaine. She comes out. She has been steamed. Uh, and uh, she has gotten the phone call from Denim Vest Guy. And Kramer, uh, when he sees her, uh, says, uh, Yamahama. 
I don't know what that means. I don't know, but it's going to be the, is this the first of three times we're going to hear Yamaha in this episode? Uh, do we hear three? We hear from Denim Vest guy. We hear from Kramer. Who's the third one? Uh, I feel like it, uh, it was when Kramer sees uh, uh, Gwen in the Gwen. coffee shop. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that, was, that was when he saw the ugly Gwen. I believe ugly, yeah, Yamaha is an ugly Gwen phrase, not a hot Gwen phrase. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, actually, uh, maybe, maybe he didn't say it then. Uh, that he George, just no, you know what? The third person to say it is George when he sees Elaine. Okay. There's no Gwen Yamaha. Gwen gets a different, like weirder type of response. Okay. All right. Elaine so, gets Kramer, Denim Vest, and George all say Yamaha about her. She gets the triple Yamaha. Triple Yamaha. I, I think that's our, that's our hashtag. Also. Triple Yamaha. It's a leader in the clubhouse right now. So that or genealogy. Etymology. <laughs> Nobody could spell etymology. I mean, they have Google in front of them. <laughs> oh, I think Twitter has spell check, doesn't it? I don't, I, don't, I don't know, but not in hashtags, I don't think. No, not in, if you put a hashtag in front of it. it doesn't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Twitter does have it because I just guessed wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we uh, see Kramer run into Gwen. And uh, he doesn't recognize her, even though they just met at the coffee shop. And uh, that she says she's dating Jerry. Uh, Kramer says, no, you are much better looking than Jerry's girlfriend. Yeah. And right. She takes this to believe that she has to be, you know, he has to be dating another girl or maybe married. And she's the side piece. Right. And uh, she's like, that's why he's always hiding in that coffee shop. He's afraid of getting caught. And Kramer, not a bro here, says, uh, oh, he's a tomcat. Kramer's never a bro. I don't think we've seen Kramer take one for the, you know, he's never put put bros before the opposite gender ever. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, here's a lane with Denim Vest. And now Denim Vest, uh, that uh, what a what a jerk this guy is. He left the card back at his apartment. What was his move going to be like? Hey, why don't we go get that card of my apartment? You mean if she was looking attractive, that would have been his move. Yeah. Yeah. It was a smart move by him. Right. I mean, they obviously move. talked on the phone because they knew where to meet. It's a really good move. Like, hey, let's go back to my place. The problem is that he was just so grossed out by Elaine mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, he's he was he, he's, you know, calling an audible at the last second. Yeah. So he's, Elaine is like, OK, well, I can't go there now. Uh, give me your number. Uh, and so um, Elaine's like, no, give me your number. And ultimately uh, that he is asking her, does she have the mumps? Does she have typhoid? I think he feels like if she was just sick, maybe there was some chance she would bounce back. Uh, and then he runs off uh, Yamahama. Yeah, I do like the Yamahama. It should have caught on. Yeah, I mean... One Festivus catch on, but not Yamahama. <laughs> that we don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, George is back with Kruger, and uh, he tells uh, Kruger there's a problem here from accounting and uh, there's no such thing as the human fund. Now, this is like the second half of the scene that the first half is a deleted scene. Did you watch that? Yeah. So I think it was just an old, like an alternate side where they like, what if George comes in and asks for more money and gets busted? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, more than like, I think they just tried it two different ways. That's my guess. Yeah, because he wanted to get a driver. And ultimately, that's, uh, hey, accounting said uh, there's uh, no actual human fund. And uh, George is now busted. Here's my problem with what George does. George should have used the opportunity of the 20 grand to open up his own. Because how is he depositing a check to the human fund? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
What if he started his own charity, even if it's not like a 401k or whatever? No, that's not what it's called. What's the charity designation? I don't know. Yeah. But the, that's why my dad's an accountant. So I don't have to worry about things mm-hmm. like this. The, the, you know, you start charity and then with this name and then you can actually deposit the 20 grand, right? Yeah, well, I think that's his idea. No. I mean, he doesn't do anything to start the charity, though. Like, he should come and say, like, they're just getting off the ground. They don't have their 508K or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. um, you know, status yet, but they're going to have it in a few months. Like, don't worry about it. Right. So they're, they're just George, George puts up no fight here. It's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, you make a good point. Yeah, he lays down and dies. I'm I'm not impressed with George here. Okay. Uh, but he ends up going with that he does not celebrate Christmas and he did not want to be persecuted for his uh, religious beliefs, which are Festivus. But I thought that Festivus was sort of a non-denominational holiday. It definitely is non-denominational. Mm-hmm. So, um, we uh, then see Kruger saying that he needs to see some evidence. Now, uh, why Kruger is that interested? Somehow, uh, $20,000 is enough to get him interested in this. I'm just so disappointed in George. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Festivus dinner is here. Uh, so, they bring in uh george uh with kruger and uh frank wants to show him the festivist pole uh george sees elaine yeah. gets her a yamahama we haven't discussed the the um origins of of uh, festivus at all but like the writer dan o'keefe and his family actually had it yeah uh, and he wrote a book i think about festivus oh wow um but I like I love the idea of like this is what was an actual real thing that just became like a yeah why did his family celebrate festivus I think they were, and he said it wasn't a set thing. Like it could come at any time. I guess in holiday season. I guess his dad was just crazy. Was it like a goof, or it was a serious thing? I think probably serious to goof. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so why did Elaine? I got to read the Festivus book to find out. Why does Elaine come to Festivus dinner? Yeah, I'm not sure. I guess to see what all the hubbub is about. Okay. All right. So uh, George tells Jerry that he was busted cold uh, for the 20 G's. Uh, we see Frank with Kruger. Uh, explaining the poll. Kruger says, I find your belief system fascinating. Is he just pandering? No, I think he's generally interested. I mean, he did offer to come. Like, he could have just fired George. He clearly wants to be there at least somewhat. Okay, maybe he's worried about some sort of, like, discrimination suit if he uh, ultimately... Yeah, yeah, that definitely could be part of it. Okay, so Kramer shows up with the two guys from OTB. Yeah, you down with OTB? Mr. Carrie Coons and uh, the porn star. Uh, yeah, what I just I love that like one of them did porn and one of them won a Pulitzer. It's really amazing. Mm-hmm. Porn and a Pulitzer. Oh, that might be our hashtag. <laughs> but I, I feel like there might be some bad stuff there. Probably. Uh, can you win the Pulitzer for porn? No, I mean they don't. They have like journalism and like uh, like you know different types of writing stuff and photography. Mm-hmm. I don't think it gets that specialized. No, okay. I don't think you, they don't even have like a movie Pulitzer. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I guess uh, one day maybe. Do you want to like donate? Maybe like the human fund could donate all their leftover money to the Pulitzer Foundation to like start a few new awards. Now, when you say the leftovers money to the Pulitzer, you're talking about the money that Carrie Coons brought home? Yes, because between Carrie Coons money and this guy getting like a hundred grand for I don't know what you get for winning a Pulitzer. Nobel Prize is like a million bucks, I think. Do you think that their online checking account is named the leftover Pulitzer money? (laughs) Question. Yeah, we should ask them. Like, who do you think who do you think earns more? Like the Pulitzer guy or Carrie? Carrie Coon. Like leftovers, but that's not such a big show. She's on Fargo too. What could she be? She's on. That is true. She's she's on a lot of shows. Yeah, I mean, well, I'll tweet at them. I'll say who makes more money. You see what they say. They say. Yeah, we'll see if we get an answer. Porn guy would answer. 
You think they're open about how much they make? Mm, I mean, probably I know, It's a tough not. industry, right? Aren't there only like 20 guys or 50 guys or something? So it's like tough to. Oh, the porn you know, stars? I don't know if you want to like. Yeah, I don't know. Because then someone will undercut them. Like, hey, I'll do that movie for like 12 grand. He's doing it. Oh, so yeah. So you can't trust what he's going to say. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how trustworthy those guys are. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure very trustworthy, but probably like they might say, oh, I don't even know. You got to keep it close agent. to the vest. Right. People in general aren't yeah, aren't like in Hollywood, aren't really like open with uh, how much money they make. Right. They don't want to get people. You got to go to like celebrity net worth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. That's that's the most accurate. <laughs> that's the most accurate. All right. So uh, we see the two guys and uh, they were calling up the bagel store to ask out Elaine and Kramer ended up telling them uh, where she was. It was a festivist miracle. Yeah. So now is this a bro move for Kramer? Or is this an anti woman move because like his loyalty should be to Elaine and he's bringing these creeps to Elaine. I mean, it was definitely bro to these guys. I don't think that Kramer understands, oh, these guys are creeps because he's kind of a creepy guy. Yeah, I guess creeps don't recognize creep. Creep game don't recognize. He creep. can't see it. He can't see it. Okay. No. Uh, I love here how Mr. Kruger says to Kramer, oh, Dr. Van Nostrand. <laughs> yeah, great, great little thing from the writers. I do wonder if that was like written in initially or if someone's like, hey, they know each other. Yeah, I think probably the second thing. Yeah, I'm sure no one realized. Unless and then, like, these the same writers wrote that uh, the, the previous episode. Yeah, we I don't think they check. did, but yeah. it's possible. I'll check. OK, certainly O'Keefe wasn't involved in that one. Yes. And Kramer just plays off. Uh, that's right. Yes. So I like that Kramer uh, didn't drop the facade. No, because you it's 50 50 if Kramer's going to even know what he's talking about. Like it's a few weeks old already. Yeah. OK, so. Frank welcomes the newcomers and uh, the tradition begins the airing of the grievances. He's got a lot of problems with you people. And now you're going to hear them. I love it. Uh, He goes, he starts with Mr. Kruger. My son tells me your company stinks. Yeah. I mean, it's such a, like, this is the the ultimate, like embarrassing dad thing of all time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And George tries to stop him. And uh, he says, you'll get yours in a minute. Kruger, you couldn't smooth a silk sheet. If you had a hot date with a babe. I lost my train of thought. Where's Frank going with this? <laughs> I have no idea. Why did you need to smooth the silk sheet? I, I mean, I guess you don't want to have like gross sheets if you're bringing home a babe. But wrinkled sheets? Like you want to have wrinkled sheets? I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know if that's going to work for you. I mean, that at what point was the woman interested where she says, ah, the, uh, those sheets are just I don't think that's ever happened little in the history wrinkled. of the world that a woman has like seen a gross spatular pad and been like i'm out not a gross spatular pad a sheet that was too wrinkled yeah but you know what i'm saying like a woman's coming home she's still like where is my dignity gonna you know like like where's the line like if this place is really gross then but, i have but to go. it's I think not that your place before. is gross he says you couldn't smooth a silk sheet if you had a hot date with a babe yeah i don't know yeah. Are you a bed maker? I don't make no, my beds. No, so I, I, I haven't made a smooth. bed in uh, you know, 15 years. Silk sheets sound disgusting, to be honest. No, silk sheets are terrible. It's like the hottest thing you I can mean, sleep on. The, like silk is such a key facet of like the late 90s and like George's life. But it's like mm-hmm. it barely exists now. Like I remember I'd have a silk tie and people would come and touch it like, ooh, nice silk tie or silk shirt. I can't even yeah. like a mat. I wouldn't if you gave me like the nicest silk shirt in the world. World I wouldn't wear it for free nowadays. No, <laughs> no. Silk is needs a PR campaign. Yeah, okay. we'll work on after we after we like really bring uh, baloney back. Yeah, silk is nice. 
Okay, so Gwen comes in and Kramer told her that uh, they were going to be there also. And uh, she is mad. And Kramer calls it a Festivus miracle. Another Festivus miracle. And she says, oh, here's this ugly girl I've been hearing about. And Elaine says, give me a break. I was in a schwitz for six hours. I mean, this is really throwing shade. The, the Gwen at Elaine. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I guess she has reason to be mad. She thinks that Elaine is like, she's Elaine is stealing her man. Right. Uh, Elaine asked the bookie, how did my horse do? Uh, very funny in the inside look that uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus cannot get through this with a straight face. Yeah, they, re- they have to. It seems like they redid it like 10 times. Looking at the porn star guy, she just cannot uh, keep it together. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Frame has to go. He has to go work a double shift at H&H. Uh, and he says that uh, everybody thought that he was on strike. Uh, and he tells Frank that uh, this holiday is a little out there. Yeah, and if it's out there for Kramer, it's really out there. Yeah, and we end with Frank challenging George to the uh, feats of strength. It's weird, right? Just like Kramer leaving in the middle. It's so un-Kramer-like. It is un-Kramer-like, but he had to get down to the bagel store to work a double shift. Uh, what is he, making the bagels overnight? I, I can't imagine how many bagels they're selling on December 24th, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, no, I think Christmas Eve is a big uh, bagel day. A lot of people home from work. Uh, you know, you're with the family. I'd get bagels Christmas on Eve. Christmas Eve. A.M. So it's is it still is it the eve in the morning? Is it not the eve till nightfall? I think it's Christmas Eve the entire day. OK, so December 24th a.m. You think is a big bagel day? Yeah, I think so. Everybody's home. Okay. You know, yeah. Sometimes you have like I mean, you have people in from out of town. What are we going to do for breakfast right. for all these people? Right. I mean, everybody's going to get a dozen bagels. Right, get, okay. get bagels and make coffee. Uh, you know, if you don't have to go anywhere and, uh, you know, God forbid you have to go run around and get buy more stuff. But if you're done. You're done. Well, we do know a bagel guy, right? We could ask Puya, like, how big is December 24th a.m. for bagels? I think it's one of the 10 biggest bagel days of the year. All right. So I'm going to ask Puya and we'll we'll get back to everyone for next week. Okay, Lock it in. One of the 10 biggest bagel days. Bagel correspondent. Okay, Uh, Keeve, we then uh, see a little bit of a tag of Kramer making a bunch of bagels and he drops his gum in the bagel and gets fired. Yeah, well, we just uh, we didn't really mention uh, Frank and George wrestling, which kind of yeah. happens off screen. Happens off screen right before that. Yes, uh, Frank says a little cartoony. Best Festivus ever. Yeah, a little cartoony that scene. Yeah, right. And then puts the gum in, and Kramer's happy to be fired. Okay. All right, Keeve. Uh, let's break down everything uh, going on here in uh, the strike, not the Festivus. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, this is tricky because I don't know who to assign the Festivus storyline to. Yeah, the storylines here are a little bit more mangled. Like they per, they work go work very hard to get everybody in the last scene. Mhm. Yeah. So the I mean Festivus sort of like is uh touching on like Kramer and George. Uh so I don't know who to split it up with. Uh where do you want to put Festivus? Let, I let's start with George and because it's a Costanza family thing, I got think we have to give it to George. Okay. All right, start with George. I mean, I just think you have you have George comes up with the human fund and his family mentions Festivus in the same episode. So you have to give him an A plus, I think mm-hmm. you have two iconic things come out, even if it's not like the greatest thing in the history of the show. To me, it's a lock. It has this has to be an A plus. OK, it stood the test of time. I can't complain about it. Uh, there is, uh, you know, and not a ton of laughs that come out of uh, George uh, with the human fund, but it has certainly, right. uh, you know, stood the test of time. Yeah, I agree. So A plus for George. Right. What about Jerry? Uh, I feel like, as you said, that, you know, they don't make that big of a deal between uh, one, the good Gwen and bad Gwen. Uh, I'll give it a B minus. 
Yeah, to me, the tie up at the end where it's like, oh, the ugly one, like he's hiding me from the ugly land. Like they do tie the episode together well. So to me, that saves it from like disaster area of a D. But I'll give it a C because I just think they the Gwen thing is too. They've had so many like big hands, man, you know, man hands, close talker, uh, nose, you know, big nose. Like they you need to go bigger as as you go on. And this is smaller. This is like two face. Sometimes she looks good. Sometimes she doesn't. It's not directed well at all. So I give this a C and it should be worse probably. Okay. Wow. Shots fired, Andy Ackerman. Uh, listen, Ack, if you want to come on the podcast to discuss, let us know. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Elaine and the sub storyline. Uh, to me, it doesn't do anything. I like, I like the idea of the fake number, but there's, she gets a lot of scenes and none of them are really Hall of Fame scenes. It's funny at the, at the end with like the worst thing, but that's a really throwaway line. I'm giving Elaine a C. Yeah, I'll give it a C minus. Uh, Yamahama, uh, you know, ended up being funny, at least us talking about it. Uh, I like the idea of Denim Vest Guy and the idea that Elaine has a fake phone number, but uh, not a ton of laughs here with Elaine and uh, the going to get a free sub. And what about Kramer going back to work? I ju- I, as a whole, there's he's had much better storylines, but I am going to give this an A because I just think the idea of Kramer, like almost tying up his story of like, oh, that's why he hasn't been working the last 12 years and the, doing it in such a brilliant way. I feel like we have to give them a lot of props. So A for me, even though. Not a million laughs in Kramer's storyline, but definitely a brilliant way of sort of explaining Kramer's backstory. Okay, I'll give it a B plus. It's fine. It's uh, like the backstory, but, you know, not a ton of uh, memorable things that end up coming out of uh, the Kramer mm-hmm. bagel storyline. All right, Keeve, uh, in your overall yeah. rankings, got to feel like that this did uh, pretty well, if I had mm-hmm. to guess. So I will say... I don't know how many spots are available in the top 20. I'll say at uh, 16. Yeah, 16 is taken by Serenity now. But I I, I put it at 22. It's a hard episode to grade because the bad parts are pretty weak. But I think there's just so many iconic moments coming from there that you could easily have this episode in the top 10. I have it right outside the top 20, 22. But it's it's up and down. But the, when it, when it's good, it's you know it's really good. And if you could come up with two things people talk about 25 years later, or 20 years later, mm-hmm. like you did something right in this episode. Okay. All right, Keeve, let's jump into the mailbag and talk about all of the messages we got from our listeners about the strike. And uh, let's get this all started here with uh, Louise is up first this week. Why Louise? Yeah, well, well, if anyone is talking about stuff from last week, it sense to start with the last week stuff before we get into this week's stuff. I think Louise is a little bit upset. Yes, because, you know, we were talking, if you remember, for a long time about doing the Seinfeld finale live from Melbourne, Australia or Sydney, wherever she's from. It doesn't matter. They're walking distance from each other. The we never really mentioned, but I think at this point, it's safe to say we're probably not going to do probably I wouldn't say definitely yet. You never know. We're not probably not going to do the live finale live from that George's bar that we don't even know if it's still open, right? Yeah, we have no idea. We haven't gotten any updates from it. Nobody's like, hey, I'm in the bar on my, on my vacation in I Australia. Checked it out. They're excited. Yeah. Nobody said like, hey, the pot, you know, they're willing to have you guys like. So she's a little mad. And Louise, she could have, you know, sent us five grand and said like, here, here's two plane tickets. But instead, she's carousing around China. I don't know mm-hmm. what she's doing nowadays. So anyway, she decided to renew her status as a correspondent. As I think you've forgotten the long held plans for the Australian finale of the podcast. It was locked in for George's Bar in Melbourne rather than the recently hatched half-baked Bud Tour plan. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, like, that's not half-baked. Our, our tour of, like, getting a van and driving around the country and picking up, like, Johnny DeSilvere and Chester is mm-hmm. the greatest idea anyone's ever had. It's not realistic, but it was an amazing idea. I don't, I don't like that she's taking shots. Right. This isn't 
this isn't my, you know, how I expect this friendly Australian lady to talk. The, bud tour plan. I read this week that I read this week. I don't even know what a bud tour plan is. I read this week that Australians are become oh like they they're losing their religion. It's becoming like an atheist country. Oh really? So I think like I think what happened was like Louis. You know, we we like let her down, and she no longer like believes in God anymore. Oh well, I don't know. <laughs> let's uh, let, let's <laughs> not speculate too much on that, Keith. <laughs> oh, anyway, uh, so she Louis also writes in. So she watched. She listened to last week's podcast. And she says, 10 minute showers, 27 minute showers. You guys live the life. In Australia, we're prescribed three minute showers, but I will endeavor to source accommodation for you that's able to supply bathtubs where you can luxuriate to your heart's content. Like, is that a, is that like a, a do they have a water shortage in Australia? Like, why do they only take three minute showers? I don't know. I Who need takes more information. 27 minute shower, Kramer or one of uh, us? Maybe on, maybe in a podcast we mentioned that like someone, t- I don't know, my kids, like, if you have a teenage girl, like, they take really long showers. Long like, showers. my sister takes two hour showers. My daughter who's 11 is working her way two up. Hour shower. Like half. My sister can take like a two hour shower. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, my um, my wife takes the shortest shower. She's like like out of there and like uh like the, the she's on Louise shower time. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's also a smart move. Like if you smell, like it's a good way to repel your husband if you're not interested in him. So yeah. I I sort of respect that move. What what does Johnny D. Silvera have to say? Uh, why didn't Elaine just make up a fake number off the top of her head uh, with the guys she wanted to brush off? It's a good question, right? I think it would have been it's. Like, why get involved in people, you know, or at, like, it just seems like just give her like the eight, four, what's the Jenny number? Eight, five, eight, six, seven, five, three, well, oh, nine. Well, I think to her, her like that totally was the number. Jenny number, but it was uh, Noah Lane. I think that that was, you know, the idea that you, you want to like not be like thinking off top of your head like, oh, uh, yeah, let's try five, 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 six, one, five, right. three. Right, but what if you always had the same fake number, but it was just like a totally arbitrary place? And also, the OTB probably has like a very round number, so it looks fake, right? Like a place of business usually has a good phone number, like, you know, 212-560-2000 you know, or something, right? Yeah. Like a big company like that is going to have a, a good number. So bad job by Elaine. Okay. All right. Um, what about David Willis, who asks, uh, Robin Akiva, how did George get tickets for Tim Watley? It had been over six months since he left uh, the Yankees. I doubt George would pay full price for a gift. He said he was still kept in uh, good uh, contact with the groundskeepers. Yeah, yeah. Very simple answer. It's right there in the, in the episode. Contact with the groundskeepers. I, okay. I just put that in because I like when we know the answer to a question because usually we don't. Okay. What about Lindsay? Uh, so Lindsay writes, I seem to remember the last time I asked about holiday, holiday traditions. Rob mentioned Nicole making macaroni. Do we have any other holiday traditions to add? Mm, yeah, that my wife would like want to make uh, pasta on uh, Thanksgiving, like to start. I'm like, do we need a course at one o'clock? Like a heavy. Is that what she's talking about, though, with the macaroni? Or yeah, is they, something they, different? yeah, that's what I, I'm just resetting that. Um, OK. You know, I, I don't think we have a ton of any. Uh, wacky traditions you know most of the holidays it's just uh myself and my wife and my kids so we don't have to like uh cater to any like sort of wackadoo holidays are you allowed to watch football during your thanksgiving meal um yeah do you have a tv in the in your in your kitchen dining room uh yeah the the we don't really have like a separate room that's a dining room it's just sort of like the big living room and the ta- and the dining room tables in there so every everything is it's one it's an open floor right I've, right. I've seen it in videos it's like right. a kitchen dining room and living room are all in one area so the tv is viewable you're saying while you're sitting down at a certainly, table to eat certainly yeah okay fine and you're allowed to have it on it's not one of those no no we those. don't have any and sort what of what about like, growing up were you allowed to have the tv on while you ate 
Um, yeah, it certainly was uh, most uh, nights uh, when I was growing up. But then when we moved, uh, like my parents moved to a house that had like the TV was downstairs and it was not viewable from the kitchen. We would have my parents would have had no problem letting you watch television while you ate, but we did not have a TV in the kitchen. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't an option. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Craig from Vancouver says uh, this is hands down the worst title of any episode. I knew they couldn't have predicted that Festivus would really take off. But if there's any episode that deserves a retroactive title change, it's this one. Yeah, we're on the same. We're on the same board. Can they do Uh, that? Can they retroactively change a title? Yeah, I think you could. And then like, how does it practically affect you? Like on TBS? on like the on you know in like the tivo description it's it's different like i don't know i I don't know like what like wikipedia would have to change it i think we could do that like could we maybe petition dan o'keefe to petition like jerry like i that's not a bad idea i think other other than the festivist can you think of another name that would like i think the human fund is a good name too for this episode it's fine it should be the festivist keith i I think you and i could bring in an additional million dollars a year for seinfeld by uh getting them to go through and not necessarily rename the episodes but at least give them the parenthetical titles so when you are like going through like the channel listings or on Hulu, that this is the strike in parentheses Festivus episode. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Anyway, I think I, go I think all of them that are like this. Them. Yeah. yeah, I played this game Dominion, which has like the first it has like 25 cards. And at, like after after like many years of having these 25 cards uh, and then they make a lot of other sets that each have 25 new cards. But like the the creator of the game came back is like, you know, like eight of these cards are pointless in hindsight. So I'm going to like make, a, you know, get rid of the old date and put in the new eight, but it's still the same game. So I think that's what we're doing with with the Seinfeld titles. Like we'll keep like 100, 120 of the titles, but we're going to switch 60 out. I think and it'll ours will become like the formal, you know, they have like different versions of the Bible. Like we'll be like the King James version of the, of the Seinfeld titles. Right. There's songs that are like this where it's yeah. like the song has one name, but in parentheses, it's like, it's, you know, something called something else. That's like the common name. Right. For it. Or, or this is like the remix where this is like a Seinfeld remix episode. Remix. Remix. Yeah. It's like the remix name. I don't know. Okay. If it's a remix, it makes me feel like it's like two episodes, like blended together. Yeah. No, we're not, we're not messing with the actual, like, uh, you know, that's Canon. Just the title is not Canon. Right. Okay uh let's uh how about mike c it's very frustrating by the way that we didn't do this from episode one because we could have had a whole list second time around yeah we really we botched this one mike c yeah uh if we made up a fake foundation what would would the name of it be that's a good question Uh, i think you go super generic so it's like hard well first of all you want to go hard if it's a really a fake foundation you don't want to get caught you want to be hard to google right so how about the foundation? That would be really hard to Google, but that's almost like too. That's a little bit too much like the human fund, right? And you're going like too bold. Mm-hmm. I would like, what's our foundation? If it was like, uh, you know, like how about you want directional? So like the Northeast charity for, uh, you know, nonprofit uh, management. I don't know. Nonprofit management. It sounds like, I don't know, we're like, like uh, some sort of like <laughs> consultants. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, that's bad. The Northeast. Um, Northeast Fund for uh, Wayward Cats. Well, people are going to not want to necessarily like, uh, I think you want something that's sort of vague. Like the Human Fund is good because you don't know what it necessarily could be. Has to do with people. Uh, Wayward Cats sounds, uh, with all due respect to all of our cat people that are out there. Yeah. I mean, not us. Yeah. Um, What about like the Humanitarian Fund? I guess it's the same thing as uh, the Human Fund. That's very, that's fair. But I think you get a directional thing. If you do like Southwest something, like people stop paying attention. Yeah. Once you get that uh, direction, 
Yeah, you get like Southwest Louisiana, uh, you know, like fun for disposing of just go like super long of uh, of like, uh, you know, charitable donations. Yeah. Like super generic and long. What uh, if, we got a workshop. Yeah. Right, right in right in a better. Yeah, you just you get in like a word like the the Healing Hope Foundation. Like, oh, OK, well, that that's good. good. That's very good. Healing Hope. Is that yeah. a real one that you can? That, no, I just I think I just made it up. I mean, it might be yeah. a real one. Healing Hope is good. Healing Hope Foundation. That's a good one. Like, oh, what, what totally are you doing? generic? They, no one has any idea. Like, whose hope are we healing? It might be our hope to get more money <laughs> in our bank account. Yeah. OK, uh, let's see. Healing Hope Foundation lives a light of Healing Hope Foundation. That's probably even better. Yeah, that's good. Because that's like the light. Of, yeah. Yeah. What, about, what, what if you start with friends of because there's a lot of charities that are like friends of, you know, Mount St. Mary's Hospital. Mm-hmm. So what if we did like friends of light? What was your thing? Light of light of hope. Friends of light of healing hope foundation. Again, uh, I yeah, mean, friends the, of, that's good. I think that's good. Yeah. I, I don't want to, you know, infringe too much upon an actual charity that's seemingly doing good work, mm. but you, we get the idea. Know, we get the idea. Score. Okay. All right. Okay. Keith, um, what about mad mass? So he says, has the Stephen monks just grown so used to the shenanigans of the core four? They don't even bat an eye when Frank drags an aluminum pole. And yeah, I, I, I think that like, Monks has gone completely out of control in this episode because you you got you got the 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 that manager guy must be off this week because you got rubber bands in the soup and the gang is just shooting them when they find Paco's rubber bands in there. Nobody's paying it. Nobody's kicking them out when they do crazy things. The waitress doesn't even care when George doesn't order anything, which I feel like normally they would care about. Um, Monks is just totally mismanaged. I guess it's the holiday season. They're probably short staffed, right? Mm hmm. Yeah, you can't fire anybody during the holiday season. No, I think that they're not going unchecked. I mean, I think that they are striking back at them and putting rubber bands in their soup. Ooh, that's good. So even. you think this is a punishment? Yeah, but they're so like they lovingly like Paco. Right. Yeah, you're right. They do hate them. They hate them. <laughs> what is Pat in Ohio asking us? Pat in Ohio says, "Why would Kruger be dumb enough to give George twenty thousand dollars? Didn't George already prove to Kruger he was a liar and manipulator due to the attempted cover up of the boombox incident?" I just think that Kruger doesn't care. Yeah, Kruger has two feet out the door. He truly doesn't care about any of this stuff. And uh, it's still weird that he's rewarding George. It's one thing not to punish him. It's kind of crazy to, like, be on George's side here. Yeah, do him a solid and uh, put him in charge of something big like that. Okay, what about Amir? Amir writes, once George decides to forego donation cards, why even make up a fake charity? Just create a donation card that says, a donation has been made in your name to the Salvation Army. That seems pretty simple and foolproof. I think it's a good idea. It I, is like, a good and idea. also with the Salvation Army, because if, if you gave it to like a real foundation, right, a real charity, someone would say, like, where is that form that I still haven't come up with the name for? Like, the, you know, like the, for my tax deductible, whatever. Mm-hmm. But if the Salvation Army is perfect because they have those like bowls where you give the money into. So he just says, like, oh, I, I just handed the guy 100 bucks, but they gave me some cards and I just wrote everyone's name. But there is no right of charity because i just handed it to a person on the street yeah that's so i good. think it's a brilliant idea by amir and george really amir is much more i would watch out for amir people I, right. he's much more devious than george he's like a better george amir could just say that uh he went to like some like cowboys game and saw that big like red kettle at the sideline and just put all the money yeah. in there it's brilliant it's it really it's a perfect like any charity it's a better idea like or an already existent charity but the fact that you have one with that's not able to be tracked is just next level. Okay. Amir also asks, uh, who called Kramer to tell him the strike is over? Yeah, we, w- we went over that one already. Um, Come on, but Amir. yeah, it, it is weird. Yeah, Amir, you have to, again, you have to be three steps ahead of us. You have to anticipate which we're, what we're going to discuss and what we're too dumb to get to. And then finally from Amir, Jerry seems very out of character in this episode. First off, why wouldn't he just dump Gwen? Ooh, who made that point already, Amir? Uh, we bro- he broke up with a girl because she ate her peas one at a time. He wouldn't dump a girl who was hideously ugly half the time. 
Yeah, we're, mm-hmm. on, we're on the same page. I, it's, it's insane that he cares about her at all. Secondly, Amir asks, are we to believe that Jerry's completely okay finding rubber band in his soup? He throws out shoelaces and belt buckles when they touch anything in the bathroom. I agree. It's kind of nuts. But it's not his soup, and he just gives it to George. He personally wouldn't eat it. Mm-hmm. But this was Gwen's soup that now becomes George's soup. Okay. Now, uh, normally, this is when we go to Chester, but I see an email from Chris in the mailbag. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. What does he want? Chris says, in this season of experimental podcasting, I request an episode where Rob is joined, as always, by Chester for the recap. Then they crack on a voicemail from Akiva in the mailbag as part of the podcast. Or did we miss our opportunity by not doing this for the bizarro Jerry? Well, what do you th- first of all, yes, we missed that opportunity. That would have been a good mm. idea. But, but is uh, Chester the what bizarro you? you? I'd like to think so. How does he feel about pulling peel licorice? I, I, I bet he hates it. He's a hater. He's a you, hater. You, we got our first uh, bad. We got our first non five star review on the 32 fans podcast yeah, this week. What did it say? It was a one star review by someone saying, like, I hate Akiva. I want to mute him and just listen to Chester, hmm. you know, the whole time. And like, a key, like I, I didn't really explain why they hate me, I don't think. But the person who wrote this thing, their name was Alex on iTunes. Hmm. So do you think Chester is writing in hate, like hate reviews to his own podcast about me? I mean, wouldn't be the craziest thing he did. No, that day. Like it would not be. It wouldn't put it past him. But I, I don't think he'd do that. Mm-hmm. But uh also, like he would do it, but then still give four stars because it hurts his ego to give us one star. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, well, what do you think of that idea? Would you ever would you let Chester come on and I'm just like a mailer, a mailbag guy? I mean, if there was a week that you couldn't do it, like the week where your wife was going to give birth, and we were sort of like in the middle of the run, I think it would be a fun idea. But we're this close to the end; we only have what now 13 episodes left. Yeah. So. I don't know. It feels like uh, not to throw one away, but I feel like that. Uh, it's a break what if it's format. better? What if he's much better than me? This Alex in Portland guy clearly thinks that I stink. So what if what if Chester's better? And then like you just like, hey, we, we I made the wrong move the whole time. And I'm just going to stick with Chester for the rest of the way. I, I won't be offended. Yeah. I mean, I guess we could, we could see how it plays out. Should we have a yeah. fan All vote? Right. We'll TBD. Yeah. Uh, if we have a fan vote, it's going to be it's it's going to work poorly for Chester. We've had people say, people write in and say, I'm not going to listen to the podcast anymore if he comes on again at the end for 15 minutes. What if it's a fan Remember, blo- his- a fan vote plus 10? Would you spot him 10 poll points? What's the spread? Yes. I w- yeah, I will. He has to, if he gets, if he gets, um, can we give him a third or is that too low? Like if he gets 33%, if he gets 40 points, he can come on. We'll do a poll at some point this summer. Okay. What, like, what about the week I'm in Cancun? Okay, or something that I'm not available. All right, like, something well, like that. All right, well, let's see. Let's see. Do we have to do the poll? We'll do, I will do a poll at some point, maybe after July 4th. I feel like nobody's on the internet for the next. By the time people listen to this, why? Well, yeah, well, the once, once weekend, the international uh, licorice uh, pull and peel yeah. Twizzler Day comes, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that. So July 5th, in honor <laughs> of Pull and Peel Twizzler Day, I will post a poll on my Twitter. Uh, should Chester replace me for an episode in August? And if he gets 40, percent then he replaces me. And I am merely but a uh, merely Chester's. I'm, I am I'm merely I'm essentially a merely. Uh, it's just more like here <laughs> writing emails at the end. Poll and peel day, right? That's right. And that's yeah. beautiful. Poll and peel day. That's what we're going to call Festivus poll. Poll day. Festivus poll and peel day. Yeah. And the good thing about the episode where Chester's on and I write in is it'll be shorter because Chester wrote in eight questions this week. Okay. Uh, so let's see what he has. He, he has says to, uh, he wants to know why is the episode not called the Festivus? Why did it take nine years to find out about the Festivus? Uh, does well, this- so Chester knows he goes last. So he has to know, like, even right. if we don't get to something, a question like, why is the episode not going to call the Festivus? We're going to get to that. 
Right. Uh, he says, uh, does the episode have the highest drop off of any episode between the best storyline and the others? Festivus is epic, but the stripe, uh, Two-Face, and the fake number stories are all meh. Yeah, we're on the same page. I think that there's probably other ones. There that probably are. are if we thought about it, like maybe the marine biologist. I don't know. Some of those are like or the bubble boy. We didn't like some of the side stories, but it's up there. It's in the top 20 of drop offs. OK, why do Jerry and George bite into whole bagels with nothing on them? That's insanity. I don't know if it's insanity. Yeah, I, I agree. And like they're plain, they're day old, plain garbage bagels, literally garbage bagels. They not don't the know that at the time. Like, I, they don't know it at the time, but like stale bagels with no, they don't like. Put a schmear of you I mean, know, cream cheese. Does Jerry have shirt. a schmear ready to go? I mean, you don't think he has a can of tuna with some mayo in his fridge that he could make into a tuna bagel very easily? I guess so. But maybe it's just a snack. I guess. But not like everybody's snacking, ready for tuna at like uh, are you, any Are you hour. cool with snacking on bread? I'm not a big. There's a French bakery near my house that has like such good bread that I don't mind snacking on it. But like, I think in general, snacking on bread is a weird move sometimes. I mean, if a lot of carbs. I would like uh, sometimes like on a Sunday when I would be watching like 15 hours of fantasy football or uh, f- like uh, re- hitting refresh on my laptop 6,000 times mm-hmm. and watching uh, NFL Red Zone, I would buy yeah. like, uh, you know, a dozen bagels and then just like, uh, like you know, eat some of them uh, with cream cheese. Eat a dozen plain butter. bagels. No, I wouldn't eat a dozen of them, but I might eat like, uh, you know, three bagels throughout the day. And one of them might just be. OK, right, let me that's just, fair. Yeah. Right. I had a cream cheese. I had a tuna or a butter. And now it's like I'm, I'm and now just going to play the bagels just sitting there. Yeah. OK, that's 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 normal. OK, um, thank you. What else? Glad I'm glad I uh, <laughs> uh, got redemption for that bagel. Uh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Etymology. Uh, so uh, it seems burdensome that George's office expects everyone to ex- give, exchange a gift. Kruger is a huge company with its name on a Manhattan skyscraper. Even if you're only giving gifts to 20 people, as it appears that they're being handed out to everyone, you're spending hundreds of dollars if you're handing out bottles of wine like Sandy or thousands of dollars if you're giving out boxes of cigars like Phil or nice cufflinks. Yeah, that is weird, right? Like, what what is the step? I the only, I worked in an office where they did like the secret Santa, but it was a Jewish school, so they called it like Hanukkah Harry or something. Yeah. And I didn't participate because like if I wanted something, I would just buy it myself. And I also don't want to go to the store and like ra- even wrapping something to me. That's like the, the worst part of it. But I, the idea of like giving gifts to everyone in an office is a nightmare. It, it's a lot of work. I don't even like giving gifts to my family. Right. That's enough. It's enough pressure to give gifts to like no, your loved ones. I that should, you know I should take like. that back. I like giving gifts to my family. I don't like thinking of what to get them. Yeah, so. You don't like getting the gift. You like physically handing them the gift. That's wonderful. Right. I, I, no, I don't like thinking Worrying of what for a week. The are they going to like this? Where do I get it? I got to hide it. Right. I got to wrap. Like, that's the annoying part. If I, there was like one store where it was like uh, gifts for your mm. family and then oh, I just yes. need to go pick up the gifts there that I have no problem. I'm not cheap about buying them. I'm I'm right. uh, the part where you have to think of what they would really yeah. want. And you should just ask people what they want, but that's not how society works. Right. Everybody wants you to think. Like, I want to be it. asked what I want, what I right. want. Right. I have no problem telling people, here's the gift I would like you to get me. No problem. I don't leave it up to yeah. anybody. That's why they invented Amazon wish lists. That's right. Okay. And finally, Chester says Kruger calls Kramer, Dr. Van Nostrand, and then doesn't react as everyone else calls him Kramer. I mean, Kramer could be his first name. Be a yeah, nickname. I think it's Kramer Van Nostrand. I agree. Chester, come on. Yeah. Okay. Keith, uh, what's the yes. the ultimate hashtag? What did we land on here? I think we landed on um, uh, triple Yamaha, triple Yamaha, Yama, Festivus Poland Peel Day. Uh, yeah, Poland Peel Day. That's better. P O L L N Peel Day. Okay. Poland 
Peel Day. That's yeah, you don't want to add Fest- Yama, Festivus Poll, like. or that's going to be more confusing. That's a lot. That's a lot of words. Uh, one right. other funny note um, from the inside look. Jerry Stiller says, we're at the restaurant. We're at Jimmy's. <laughs> What's Jimmy's? Yeah. He called Monk's Jimmy's. Okay. Maybe uh, that's uh, his nickname for it. Maybe. And again, it's like he was an old man when he filmed it, and then he came back a few years later to do the DVDs. So. Okay. All right, Keeve. Uh, 32 fans, what's going on? Talking all about we sports this week. Phil Jackson. We, no, we didn't really talk Phil because we, we aired it before he was fired, but we talked basketball. Chester's favorite team traded for a really good player. But uh, with the first, if, you just, if you're not interested in basketball or sports, the first 10 minutes, Chester talks about his move. And uh, he talks, speaking of presence, he talks about like the, the amount of money he left to his doorman, which I think was too low. And uh, like a lot of things, gives Chester just moved from the city to the suburbs. So there's a lot of Chester moving, cutting off his finger type stories in this first 10, 15 minutes. And if you don't like the sports, you can shut it off. Okay. All right. Uh, so uh, we will see if people like sports or not, I guess. Well, that, my, the sports podcast that we have, uh, <laughs> when we don't do sports, we do, we do things like the hot takeoff or ranking the best 50 states that do really well. Uh, when we talk about sports, we get a lot of like, uh, you know, do more lists about stupidity. <laughs> yeah, well, people do like lists about stupidity. We yeah. are on the internet. Well, that's what that podcast is. Right. All right. So follow Keeve on Twitter. He's at Keeve26. I'm at Rob Sestrino. Thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre, who edits the Seinfeld uh, post-show recap. And of course, Mike Moore, who writes the recap. Keeve, what's coming up next week? Next week, we have the dealership. Jerry tries to buy a Saab. George yeah. tries to buy a Twix bar. Elaine goes to Arby's and Kramer goes on a joyride. Okay. Sounds fun. Yeah. I like Twix. Fun time. Yeah, well, I, and I like shaking vending machines when stuff gets stuck, so. <laughs> All right. So be on the lookout for that coming up uh, next week on the podcast. Uh, looking forward to reading your feedback on posturerecaps.com. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.